On today's Bet the Process podcast, we'll be trying to provide some better college picks for you by maybe giving you a few more. We'll be talking about this week in futures, again, checking in on how our Ohio State futures and our Cincy Bengals futures are doing. We will cover a tout uh, sharp who is a pioneer in the industry. We'll be talking about the impact that injuries have on lines and how much they should have. We'll be doing man versus machine as always, and we'll be doing our super contest picks, hoping to continue our run, which has made us 13 and two in the last uh, three weeks. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app. It's the best way for sports bettors to track their bets, see live odds, and get great gambling analysis. As Barstool Big Cat says, Sports Action is the best app for the sports better, and it's not even close. And it's available for free on the App Store and the Google Play Store. So with that, let's start the process. All right, welcome to episode nine of Bet the Process, where every week we talk through the latest in analytics and sports betting. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Rufus Peabody. And where are you right now, Rufus? I am still in Prague for another three weeks. And then where do you head after that? And then Lisbon for the month of November. Wow. It's a rough life. It's pretty awesome. It's nice that you're doing your school year abroad at the age of, how old are you? I turned 32 tomorrow. So this is like a gap year for you? Something like that, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, let's start with this week in futures. Um, Obviously, uh, the Ohio State that we've been sort of espousing since uh, their big loss after... Actually, we've been espousing it since week one before they even played. Um, That's starting to come in. Um, How's that looking right now? Wait, what big loss? Are you talking about the loss to Oklahoma? Yeah, we we uh, were talking about Ohio State from the beginning. Oh yeah, I mean we said they were undervalued even after that loss for sure, and they and they right, remain undervalued. And a, yes, they're they're looking very good. They're up to a fifty seven percent chance to make the playoff now. Um, plus three fifty is what they should be priced for for winning winning it all. And they, I think Westgate has them actually at plus three fifty, but I think there's some offshores that have them as high as six to one. And yeah, there was some carnage in college football this weekend, huh? Uh, yeah, there was for sure. I mean, you had Washington losing, you had Washington State losing, you had Clemson losing. Um, the funny thing is, like, what? How much does that change things? It, in some respects, like on the Clemson thing, it doesn't really even change things that much for them, right? I mean, it just well, leaves them with little margin for error, but they're still in a similar situation to make the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if they win out, I think you know they're still a playoff team, but it's. It's. I mean, they do go down from 56% uh, to make the playoff last week all the way down to 29% now. And actually, Miami has a slightly greater chance to make the playoff, even though they're a worse team, but just because they don't have a loss at this point. But so if they, they make it, it Clemson, Clemson, here's the thing. Clemson is still a top four team in the country, like in terms of actual team strength. But that isn't always, it isn't always the top four teams that actually make it into the playoff. It's based on wins and losses too, so... Um, so yeah, Clemson, if they get into the playoff are going to be very dangerous. The same could be said of Ohio state and Alabama and, um, and Oklahoma for that matter. But you know, three of those teams have losses already. 
How about Washington? What do you think about them and their chances? I actually watched both Washingtons, Washington and Washington State. Well, Washington State had virtually no chance anyway going into last week. They were, uh, I think, 6% to make the playoffs. And like I still had them at like 230 to 1 to win it all. And so they're basically off the map now, 1% to make the playoff. They're just not a great team. And, and I think that 37 to 3 loss to Cal kind of shows that. Um, but Washington, yeah, it, I mean, the whole Pac-12, the Pac-12 as a whole gets pretty screwed by right now, but because they, they no longer have an undefeated team left. And to get a team into the playoff at this point, they really are going to need um, one team to win out. They're going to need a one-loss team. Like having a two-loss team make the playoff is very unlikely, and they only have a 38% chance of having a one-loss team as their champion. And that's most likely to be Washington, but uh, Washington is still like the leader uh, in the Pac-12 in terms of most likely to make the playoff at 25%. But there still is some value. Um, I think markets have overreacted a bit. Like Washington, um, I make them 24 to 1 to win it all, and Westgate is showing 40 to 1. So do you um, see? I mean, like I guess, I guess, how much do you see the this having changed um, the landscape for? you know, Georgia and having two SEC teams in the playoffs? Well, that's an interesting question. And someone um, um, messaged me on Twitter about that just like yesterday. And they basically said, if both Georgia and Alabama go into the SEC championship game undefeated, what are the chances the loser makes the playoff? My numbers show 28%. And at this point, it's not... Um, so with the Sims, we're trying to model... We have to model human decision-making, which is inherently difficult um especially since it's not always rational as you and i both know and so uh, at this point of the season we don't really i mean we have we, we group things teams into tiers so like in an undefeated power five uh conference champion is tier one like you know then comes a one loss power five champion things like that but we don't have specifics related to uh politics or you know uh the fact that alabama will probably get the benefit of the doubt um, but at this point, 28% chance that um, a one-loss SEC team that just lost the championship game, like either Alabama or Georgia, um, makes the playoff. Yeah. But, you know, the more carnage we get, the more likely that becomes. And right now, I mean, you have basically the Pac-12 with the chance for a lot of carnage. Um, you know, you still have that possibility with the Big 12 because you have, I mean, two one-loss, you have three teams that are in the running and, and two of those already have a loss. Um, in the ACC, if if Clemson loses again or Miami loses, you know, a one-loss Miami team, I'm not even sure they they would even if they're conference champion, they're not that strong a team. And then, um, yeah. But at this point, it's like it's things are pretty clear in the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, and sorry to go on and on about this, but I, I thought it was really fascinating that actually the Big Ten. Um, we we make a 82% chance of the Big Ten championship game being between. Ohio State and Wisconsin, and an 80% chance of the SEC championship game being between Alabama and Georgia, which seems shockingly high for this early in the season. All right, so tell me your top four teams right now if you think the playoff were... Well, sorry. If you got to pick four teams right now to be in the playoffs, all sort of even money, who would they be? Most likely to make the playoffs if the playoffs were today, or most likely for... If no, no, no. Who you, you're picking four teams right now for well, the I end think, of the season. Alabama and Ohio State are the obvious ones. Those are um, both over 50% chance. Um, then, in terms of most likely, 
you have a huge grouping of teams in that 31 to basically in the 22 to 31 percent range. But the top two there are Miami at 31.6 percent and Clemson at 29 percent. But they both can't make it. No, they both can't. But okay, so you're I'm asking you to pick four teams. Well, these are if I'm asking you to pick four teams using (laughs) your numbers. Pick four. No, you do. You pick. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So four stupid teams that don't work. They don't work, but but that's like saying, um, I mean, just because you take those four teams, okay, and then I'll take four teams. I'll fine, take Alabama, fine, fine. I'll, I'll, Ohio State. Go ahead. Okay, Alabama, Ohio State, Miami, and Oklahoma. I'll take Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. Interesting. I don't think it's that wrong either, though. I mean, I think there's there's basically a huge pile of teams in that. Like, as I said, that 22 to 31% range, Miami, Clemson, Oklahoma, TCU, Washington, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Georgia. So it's, it's you know, there's 10 teams with a realistic chance, and but it's kind of chaotic within there. That right, fight for the last two is going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun. So we've been getting some complaints that even although we're winning on Sundays, we're losing on Saturdays. So I figured we would give a, a larger slate of college games this week with the hope that maybe we can hit a little bit better. Um, the first one you have is a sort of unpopular, uh, probably not, not a very well-known game, but Florida Atlantic minus three versus North Texas. You believe that line should be uh, minus eight. Yeah, I do. Actually, I, I don't think we should say what my true line should be here. Cause I don't want to like give away too much here, Jeff. Okay. Uh, but especially with teams that are like mm, under the radar. Uh, yeah. Miami minus 15 against Syracuse. Um, TCU minus 37 and a half against the Kansas team, which I, I think generally up a, a lot of the season, at least as far as I've seen numbers, people have thought Kansas was a bit underrated. Um, so maybe now because they've been getting demolished, they're, they got, they're not. Yeah, they got trucked by Ohio State, Iowa State. Sorry. Well, and also they got killed by Texas Tech, who we don't believe is very good. No, we don't. And then you have Louisiana Tech uh, minus one and a half against Southern Mississippi. Yep. And interesting, Oregon, uh, you like against UCLA. You, you liked UCLA, liked UCLA, last, UCLA last week. week. That yeah. didn't work out so well. No, they were pretty awful. And then the, uh, the uh, bet the process uh, tradition of betting against Oklahoma State, you like Texas plus seven and a half. I do. I, I think I was on Oklahoma State one of those weeks, though. It sort of it, it bounces around a bit. Yeah, By you the were, way, you, you were against you, you were on them. Yeah, you were on them against Texas Tech, and they lost. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, UCLA lose, like, dropped hard because UCLA actually rated as the 67th best team last weekend. They 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 were like worse than San Jose State in terms of game grades. So that that's why I'm just explaining why we like Oregon and not UCLA right now. Got it. Um. And then the last one, uh, Florida State minus six and a half against Louisville. I don't know if these are actually the current prices right now, but uh, these are what I had in my document. Yeah. Um, well, I assume, assuming all, you bet some it. of these, they probably moved already. Yep. There's a good chance of that. All right. Let's move on to uh, um, the NFL. And, you know, obviously every week we check in on Cincinnati. Um, any value there? Well, they had a bye week, Jeff. So I, I, I don't see too much movement. As yeah, but other that. teams, other teams lost. That's you know, true. things can That's happen. True. I mean, but but the Steelers won, and I mean, 
in Kansas City and really took a huge leap from 50 to 73% to win that division. And I mean, Baltimore lost too, but they're, they're around the same. Um, they are, there's still value in them. They're one of the few teams still left with futures value. I priced them at 45 to one. Um, offshore, it looks like 100 to one. The Westgate, 80 to one. ESPN FBI has them at 500 to one, and Football Outsiders has them at 90 to one. So it's, uh, I, I'm still the highest on Cincinnati. And Arizona. Arizona's the other team with still some value at um, 63 to one and football outsiders in FPI don't have them like they don't even clock in on that. But I mean, Arizona, I mean, what's the record again? Isn't it like, aren't they 500 team or close to it? Yeah. I think they're three and three, uh, like the it, weirdest three and three team there is. But this has been a weird season. There is so much parody. There are 25 teams within a game of wild card. And there are 27 teams that are between two and four wins. So it's it's kind of crazy to be able to say, like, at this point in the season that uh, Arizona has less than a 0.1% chance of winning the Super Bowl. And that's exactly what these other um, these other simulations say. Right. So, I mean, it, the, the narrative right now among the mainstream media is that there's parity, it's wide open... You know, I've heard people say, like, oh, I don't even think I could pick a Super Bowl right now. Like, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I love it. I mean, I think it's true. There is a lot of parity. There are a few really bad teams in San Francisco, um, Indy without Andrew Luck, Cleveland. Um, am I missing one? Chicago's been not a, Chicago and the Jets obviously haven't been as bad as people thought they'd be. But you have the two winless teams, and then you have a huge cluster of teams. So, I mean, just looking at the sort of at the variance in Massey Peabody ratings at this point in the season, this has actually been the second, um, there's been the second most parity this year of any year that we've done this. So the, the most was last year at this time. But even San Francisco and Indy have been cashing tickets or even coming close to cashing tickets. Obviously Indy got uh, another Monday night um, bad beat situation for for some of us that had plus eight. Um, hey, unbelievable. What's that? I was like, I hadn't even, you, you ruined the game for me because I was going to watch it the next morning. I, I was, saw a test me being like, can't believe this bad beat. And yeah. I mean, I was like, crap, did my second half bet lose? I didn't even want to look at Twitter. What did you have in the second half? Did you have, do you have under. Tennessee? Oh, you had no, under. under. It, it, was, it was still, it was a loss either way. Yeah. I don't think that was. Um, I we we had under also under twenty four, yep. under twenty four plus money, so it was a good price, yeah, um, a good price up for a loser. Although I think if I don't I don't know if you saw what happened, but there was a big pick six at the beginning of that second half that probably changed the complexion of that half a lot. I think probably if that doesn't happen, Tennessee covers the seven in the game and the under in the second half comes in. That's that's what my I would guess would have happened if that didn't happen. That's a good argument there. It's so uh, that's kind of one of the reasons that I didn't feel quite as bad about that. That's kind of one of the reasons I didn't feel quite as bad about that bad beat because, like, that second half, Indy did zero offensively, and Tennessee covering that second half didn't, I mean, covering that game didn't seem like that unfair to me. Um, I try to be as fair as I can when I like complain and wallow about bad beats. Um, in terms of biggest movers last week in the NFL, who did you see? Uh, Pitt, they had the best performance of any team. Actually, no, they had the second best performance of any team. Excuse me. Um, so they, I mean, in terms of like divisional probabilities, they move up the most. They go up from a coin flip to 73% to win that division. 
Um, Arizona's the biggest mover, I think, in terms of the rating. They had the best performance last week, despite the game being close at the very end. Um, they only won by five, but they played they played way better than that. But uh, another team that moved up a lot is Houston with their blowout win against the Browns. Um, they go up to from twenty percent to forty three percent to win that division. And Deshaun Watson continues to like continues to impress. But that's partially because Jacksonville lost, also, right? Yeah, yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean that wasn't a loss. Um, I mean, actually, no. I mean, it, yeah, lost against the Rams. That wasn't a bad loss, but Jacksonville is such. Well, it was an a. It was it was a home loss though. So and and in the case of, I'm sure in the case of Pitt, like one of the reasons they move up is they they won a game that There's they weren't. Bad they weren't anticipated to win. I mean, they were four, four and a half, three and a half, wherever, whatever you got it underdogs to quote unquote, the, the best team in the NFL. So, I mean, I, I think it's important to point out in your numbers that you're not really overreacting to one win. It's basically what that win actually represents for that team's chances. Um, winning exactly. a game you're supposed to win is not the same as winning a game that, that you weren't supposed to win in terms of your actual outlook for the season going forward. That's very true. And Houston was supposed to beat Cleveland, but they played very well in doing it, and so their rating improved there. And Jacksonville also was played very poorly in losing. And th- they actually had the worst performance of the entire week. And Jeff, it seems like like every single week, Jacksonville either has one of the best perform, like either they're like one or two or dead last in terms of like they're either really good or really bad every week. Well, I mean, I think the Houston thing is interesting because the the line went, you know, dropped to seven and a half on, from what I've heard, pretty sharp money. Um, so essentially, one of the things that Houston did was they really overperformed the market in many ways, um, and that probably lends itself to to sort of their improvement. Yes, I agree. Okay, let's move on to Faderade, and Faderade is actually a pretty interesting subject this week, given the lens of what's going on. Um, overreaction to injuries so if you were if we were to have done smartest thing we said last week i think one of the smartest things you said last week was standing in the face of of the the giant narrative of cluster injuries no wide receivers how are they going to score any points against this denver uh defense they can't run the ball etc 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 that line went all the way up to in some square books i think it went all the way up to 14 i think the sort of consensus was 13 and a half Obviously, we know what happened. They won outright um, and, and really controlled that game the whole time. Your reasoning for liking the Giants was that your line, I think that you had, was more around you know plus five or something like yeah, that. Like four and a half. And there's no way that that you know. And what's interesting is like I was listening to you know our friend Gil Alexander's podcast, and he was basically saying like that was a case of of people like what there were no analytics that would tell you to bet on uh, the Giants, and, and it's actually the opposite, right? Analytics would tell you oh. to bet on the Giants. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, and so, you know, your thought was that, and I remember almost a direct quote, like, there's no way those wide receivers are worth that many points. So, yeah. I mean, how many points can receivers or cluster injuries be worth? I mean, you've said on this podcast before that the only – thing that you think really matters is quarterback position and you don't think wide receivers and running backs really matter but at some at some point they have to right well yeah i'm not saying they don't matter and and it's not just quarterbacks that matter it's just quarterbacks that massey peabody rating system adjusts for i think that you know and it's wide receivers and running backs that are the most replaceable um 
Kate and I did some research a few years back with, um, and we were able to basically find the replacement value of different positions and wide receiver running back were next to nothing. Meaning it's just, there's, and that doesn't mean that every wide receiver is like, it doesn't mean if you lose Odell Beckham, um, there's no drop off. It's that's just on average what the replacement value is, how much it hurts you from going from a starter to a backup. And yes, losing three wide receivers is going to be, it's going to be exponentially worse, I think. But if, the replacement value is pretty low, then I still think um, I still think it's not going to be an eight-point adjustment. I don't even think it'll be like, I don't even think it should be more than a three-point adjustment losing three wide receivers. I think you look at it, you have other positions, you can kind of, um, you can game plan around it. And if you look is at it, so- if you watch the game, like, wait, did you notice how often the Giants threw to wide receivers? Like, almost no, none. I, they they, they I, went with I two tight end to- sets. I decided Sorry. to take my dad to dinner and and ignore ignore that game and um, do the thing where uh, Todd Furman told me to do is just not not care about the game and just just let it idly watch by. We had we had three and one four. No, I actually didn't have a bet on it. We had four and what? one riding. Uh, yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I firmly believed in what you said, but I was like, I'm just going to go to dinner with my dad and not even pay attention to the game. We ended up having second half bets on both the Giants and the under in that game. In the se- no, the Giants and the over in the second half, um, but we didn't. The 101. We, we went one-on-one, yes. Um, but the Giants didn't play that well um, overall. It's just that, I mean, but they were able to sort of, I mean, as any NFL team can do, game plan around their strengths and try to not have their weaknesses like show up too much. And so they just a lot less on wide receivers. I mean, yeah. I do mean, the Patriots thing with two tight end, a lot of the two tight end stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was. It, we don't have to talk more about it. I mean, like, yeah. let's move on. I mean, again, the the sort of interesting thing as we think through this whole injury thing is we do have obviously a really big injury, which is Aaron Rodgers going out and being replaced by Brett Hundley, and we have New Orleans going into Green Bay as a five point. I think it got up as high as six point six. favorite. Yeah, in, in Green Bay. And and to me, that's crazy, right? Because what would the line have been before, right? The line probably would have been Green Bay favored by anywhere between like four and a half to six, I would assume. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is we were we were on Minnesota against Green Bay last week, so we thought that Green Bay was overvalued. So, yeah, I think the market's adjusting like 10 points, which is insane to me. It's got to be more than 10 points. I mean, you can't tell no me that Green Bay... No players were 10 points. No, no, no. But I'm, what I'm saying is I think the market's suggesting even more than 10 points because right. I'd have to think that... New. Or- I, although the market has been high on New Orleans for a while, right? Yes, last week, there were some pretty big line moves from New Orleans going... That New Orleans-Detroit game got all the way up to six. And maybe that was a function of the market really not liking Detroit. I mean, I think... People have generally had this narrative that Detroit was pretty lucky in the first couple of weeks of the season, and that seemed to have come to fruition. Um, yep. But yeah, I, so how much do you think Rodgers is really worth then? Six points. Over on the, six points. Okay. So do you think That's this line should be more closer to an even even line? No. Well, closer than plus six. I, I got it at um, at New Orleans minus two and a half to three, two point six. So you see a little bit of value here. Oh, there's definitely value in Green Bay, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to sort of like the how we how we think about college in this lens. Like, 
how do you mo- model injuries in college or do you? You don't. And it's a lot of it's sort of trying to make a qualitative judgment and saying, okay, you know, I make this game minus 21, the market says minus, you know, 17, but I know that they lost like three defensive linemen and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. So there is some of that with quarterbacks. I can do a little bit more in terms of, um, knowing generally the value of a quarterback, but it's, it's just so hard in in the game of football because it is a team game and you can't, it's really hard to isolate, uh, the value of, of a player. And when you have multiple injuries, like there'll be interactions and everything. So it is tough. Yeah. And I think Jeff, what do you do with that? Well, I think this is a really good example of the, I don't know if you ever read, um, uh, Bill James had this article called underestimating the fog, which was almost like his, mea culpa about analytics and what analytics couldn't do and one of the premises behind it and this is also like the whole concept of the hot hand theory right this is the concept that just because you can't prove something or just because you don't want to model something doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist i I don't think you're saying or i don't think we're saying generally that these injuries don't matter what we're saying is that they're pretty hard for us to model um, exactly so rather than um, trying to model, you know, each wide receiver or doing a bottoms-up model and and football. Instead, we have a, a model that's independent of those, and we recognize those injuries and make sure to understand, like, is the you know is the market way off or is the market on? And then, like you said, almost do a little bit of art rather than science, um, where we kind of look at these and understand that there's an impact without really trying to say we can quantify the exact impact. I agree completely with that. It's and, and I think that I want to add one thing. I, I think that the market overreacts to injuries to skill position players or the sort of fantasy fo- guys that score in fantasy football. And I think the market, if anything, underreacts to injuries uh, of guys in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, I've been, don't kind see of, them. I've been kind of thinking about this all all season because you were saying that you think Pittsburgh's overrated because of how great their skill position players or their fantasy football prospects are. Um, one of the things I think that was a narrative coming into the season was Martavis Bryant coming back. He hasn't done shit this year. And so, I mean, generally, like, the offense is pretty overrated. Um, it has been overrated. Obviously, they played much better, or the team played much better last last week, but a lot of that was the defense. Um, and you still keep hearing it on every show, even gambling shows, like, Pittsburgh is too talented offensively to play this poorly, all this kind of stuff. And I think at the end of the day, you're, it, it is exactly what you're saying. It's these skill position players, fantasy football players staring people in the face, and they can't uh, believe that Pittsburgh might not be that good offensively. Well, the other problem there is that Roethlisberger has just not been that good this season. Yeah, but he hasn't. He's had some pretty bad. I mean, last year he had some pretty bad moments too. So, um, anyways, let's move on. Uh, Tower Sharp, your favorite segment, uh, my favorite segment. Um, my we're gonna favorite. talk about. We're gonna talk about Doctor Bob. And for those of you guys that don't know, uh, Bob Stoll, um, really, really smart guy. I know him well. He lives in California. Um, he kind of broke into the mainstream when Sam Walker wrote an article about him for the Wall Street Journal um, talking about him. He's been you know, selling picks, I think, for close to 30 years, um, is proud of his college record, which is, I think, I think 56% against the spread over those 30 years. Um, he has a, a, a technical background and, and has a lot of good processes. So the reason that I'm going to tell you two sides to Bob in my mind, and then you can you know counteract this. Um, from a process standpoint, 
I, I really like a lot of the stuff Bob does. Basically, what he does is he's created a math model, um, not, not knowing exactly what goes in a math model, but a math model that sort of tells him what the line should be. And then he has all of these different sort of data mining angles that he looks at, which are trying to sort of predict, I think, a bit of when motivation or when effort might be higher or lower. And he kind of uses those models to sort of validate and or he, he, do, he does kind of what we're talking about doing where there's like a little bit of subjectivity, but he uses these sort of angles to sort of understand, you know, and then when, when those two things sort of point to the same direction, he'll make those a play and he'll sell those and whatnot. So I, I've always found that sort of idea pretty interesting and pretty sharp, quote unquote. Um, the thing that I obviously don't like that Bob does is he sells picks and because he sells picks, it causes him to make decisions that are toutish versus actual sharpish. So from my standpoint, um, I actually think Bob is the rare case of someone who is both a sharp and a tout. Um, he is a sharp because I think his analysis is sound and he really gets in there and he does actually bet, but he's a tout because he's had to sell picks and that's how he makes his money. And unfortunately that has had to force him into some, you know, questionable decision making at times. Okay, that, that's a that's a good assessment, Jeff. I, mine's a little bit different. I think I, I actually delved into this. Like I looked at his records, and I've met Dr. Bobby. Seems like a very very nice guy. Um, his yeah, he has been doing this for a long time. I only see his records back to I don't know where he posts them. I don't, where's the NFL stuff? Well, he no longer has his NFL records listed, by the way, because he has a new NFL model now. Um, but Yes, he, exactly. he was that's very like, good. I, that's like an years. example of a toutish thing. To the do. tout. That's a very toutish thing to do. He's like he. It doesn't use Gil Alexander for baseball anymore, so those records disappear. And so, and Gil did not have a um, a winning tenure on on Dr. Bob's site, I don't believe. Um, but just looking, I, I have no doubt that Dr. Bob was very sharp um, at one point, and his records back that up. However. Markets get, tend toward efficiency, and it gets harder and harder to win, especially if you're, I mean, if you're using, um, if your, I don't, if your models aren't um, de developing and getting better. And the last four seasons, I found like his, it looks like his NBA picks are down 115 units, his college basketball picks are down 58 units, and his college football picks are down 7.2 units. And I can't read about his NFL stuff, except it apparently did really well last year, 169, but it said that. Um, his NFL best bets were 57.8% from 1987 to 1998, but just 50.6% from 1999 through 2012. And then I guess he had someone else doing, so he stopped handicapping NFL and someone else did it for a little while. But I think the whole point is he's saying, okay, now I'm, you know, this model that I had isn't, I'm not using that anymore. So we shouldn't really, I don't know, which yeah. I think is a very touted thing so, to do. So you're, you're going to call him a tout. I also think, yeah, I think I will. And I think the whole situational thing, I feel like, um, what's that word? Uh, what's that word? I'm, oh, irreducible uncertainty. I was trying to remember that word. Um, basically, things can get to a point where, you know, and I'm not saying any of us have gotten there, but where, where you can't really make a prediction better or you try to, um, but I think that Dr. Bob with the situational stuff almost tries to find ways that, his model can improve when in reality, you know, I, I don't think the situational analysis helps. I think it, you were saying that it's looking at motivation and angles like that, but 
these situations are records against the spread. So it's saying this is undervalued or overvalued by the market rather than if, if there is some motivation angle, can't you quantify that on its own rather than relying on it, something being under overvalued by the market? That's, that's my, that's my sort of gripe with the situational stuff. The yeah. Trends. Yeah. And you know, we have, we've had a whole debate about trends, I guess, just from an approach standpoint, I've always found it interesting how he approaches it. And Again, like I, the problem with these trends is like a lot of times they'll have like counter trends. Like one will be, you know, 53 and one team, the same team would be 53 and 12 on one trend and 12 and 53 on another trend. So he's got to pick which one he chooses. So there is some sort of like weird toutish like behavior there. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the things, and, you know, obviously I don't want to speak too much out of school because, you know, Bob did tell me this once via an email, but I, I think, one of the times I, I read an analysis, and his analysis is is awesome sometimes. And if he just did the analysis without selling picks, it might even be better. He he read this whole long analysis on a on a game, and I wrote him back and I said, "Why are you why are you not why isn't this a pl- game of play for you?" It was so convincing to me. And he said to me, "I've lost like seven out of my last eight for my clients, or I've lost seven straight for my clients." I'm going to bet this, but I'm not going to make this a bet because it's not strong enough for me because I've lost, you know, my last seven or whatever. And to me, that's just the worst. That's like the example of like, and, and again, like the unfortunate thing is he's making his money selling picks. So he has to think like that. But that's like the example of sort of like very, you know, toutish behavior, I think. Right. I think selling picks makes you a tout, right? Isn't that the whole definition of a tout? Yeah. Um, I, and I think, you know, I think again, like, uh, we don't want to do these in a vacuum, Bob, obviously, or if anyone that knows Bob wants to tell him, like, we're happy, I, you know, I think the end goal for this segment is to have some of these people on the show where we can have like a real constructive debate with them about their methods and, and, you know, the things that they do. And, um, you know, we can, you know, help, help talk through that in a constructive manner. Um, we're definitely not doing this to sort of like defame anyone. I, as we said, I, I think Bob, has some very sharp analysis and it definitely has um, been a pioneer in this industry. So, but I do think like once you sell picks, it is a slippery slope. And I agree. He's a smart guy. I don't, or he seems like a smart guy. I don't know if his methods are good enough right now or not. Um, I don't, I haven't seen the inner workings of his models, but I agree about the toutish behavior. All right. So let's move on. Man versus machine. Last week, I was th- the man was three and one. Yeah. Oh man. Four and a four and a four. So, do we want to quickly go through the uh, man versus machine? Let's do it. All right. Okay. Let's start. Casey Oakland. Um, machine has Casey a one point eight point favorite, and the market's three. So, machine takes Oakland. Uh, wow. I will. I'm on Oakland. <laughs> what? Something's Wait, broken. You have, you have Oakland favored, huh? No, no, no. I have Oakland as a dog of 1.8. Okay, I'll agree with that. Next. Okay. Uh, Tennessee, Cleveland. Tennessee is five and a half point favorite at this point. Um, machine says minus 6.8. So machine says Tennessee. Uh, I like Cleveland. Okay, we have our first. Uh, Jacksonville, a three point favorite. At Indianapolis, Machine makes them a 4.7 point favorite. So Machine is on Jacksonville. Uh, I like Indy. We have another disagreement. You, you seem to only disagree when it's a when I'm on a favorite, huh? There's, uh, yeah, you're seeing a pattern. I am. Um, 
Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Pittsburgh is a five-point favorite hosting Cincinnati. Machine makes them only 4.2. Machine is on Cincinnati. Uh, I like Cincinnati also. Okay. Minnesota hosting Baltimore is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Machine says they should only be 3.8, so Machine is on Baltimore. Uh, Yeah, I like Baltimore. Uh, Miami, they're... A three to three and a half, depending on where you look, point favorite hosting the Jets. Machine says 1.9. Machine is on the Jets. I like Miami. There's a favorite, ah, favorite. disagreement. A small favorite. Small yeah. favorite. But, uh, Buffalo, Tampa. That, I only see one line there. Let's and skip looks, that. I don't even see a line. And my number is yeah. right where it is anyway. Because, um, yeah, who knows if Winston's going to be healthy. Carolina, a three juice to three and a half point favorite against Chicago. Or what are we saying? Three or three and a half? Uh, let's say three. Let's say three. Okay. Um, Machine makes Carolina minus four. Machine is on Carolina. I like Chicago. Okay. Back to the trend. Green Bay hosting the Saints is a five and a half point underdog. Machine thinks they should only be 2.6. Yeah, we've covered this ad nauseum. I like the, I like the Packers. You're the pack. Okay. London game. Rams are three and a half point favorite against the Cards. Machine says Rams should only be a half a point favorite. Machine is on the Cardinals. I like the Rams. So what's that, four of them now? That's five. Five That's five we have? Nice. It's going to be good. I I get Machine can make some money back. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cowboys, six-point favorite at San Francisco. Machine makes them a 7.3 point favorite. Machine is on the Cowboys. I got to take the the Niners there. (laughs) Uh, We got another one. Okay. Uh, Back to the the injury-riddled Giants. They're a a five-and-a-half-point dog hosting the Seahawks. Machine makes the Seahawks only a one-point favorite, so Machine is on the Giants. Yeah, I like the Giants there. And we're getting close. Uh, The L.A. Chargers. I I see LAC and I think Clippers. The L.A. Chargers are a a point-and-a-half favorite hosting Denver. Is that right? Point-and-a-half? Yeah. Denver, uh, Machine thinks Denver should be a 0.3-point favorite. Machine is on the Broncos. I am also on the Broncos. New England, in a rematch of the Super Bowl, is a 3.5-point favorite hosting the Falcons. Machine makes them a 5.5-point favorite. Machine is on the Patriots. I'm also on the Patriots, but I don't feel good about it. I feel like that defense is going to get shredded, but, I mean, again, like, I... This is this is like you have, you realize that some of this is man and some of this is our machine. So it's our machine versus your machine slash man. So in cases where I know like our machine has our machine has New England also. So I I'm not bucking that with the with the I can't override two machines. I guess is the question is the thing. Does your machine have a name? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. It's just a machine. Uh, uh, and then and then Philly Washington. Yeah, Philly, four-and-a-half-point favorite. Machine makes them 4.9, so Machine reluctantly is on the Eagles. Yeah. If, if it has to pick. I, I think I would also be on Philly if I had to pick, and I know this is going to be silly, but like a lot of that is Josh Norman. Um, Josh Norman not playing makes me not, not really uh, inclined to take Washington. He just seems to make a really big difference. Um, I think corners... I don't know what your research says, but I think corners can be pretty pretty valuable um, in this grand scheme of things. I, I don't disagree there. I mean, I think Josh Norman's injury is worth at least a half a point. 
Okay, so let's uh, let's go to our super contest picks. We were um, a wonderful four and one last week, which makes us at thirteen and two for the last three weeks. If we were if we were touts, we'd be tweeting this out and telling people to buy our picks. Um, since we're not touts, we're both sitting here waiting for the other shoe to fall and this to be our zero and five week. So uh, I don't know what what you're thinking this week. Uh, do you want me to go first? Because you always um, go first. Yeah, that sounds good. And while you do that, I'm going to try to research and see where the hell we are in the standings now. I think we're getting up there. I, you know, yeah. It wasn't updated yesterday. Oh, it's updated now. We have how many points? What's our team name? Bet the process? Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going to go with... God, this is so interesting, right? Like, I think a lot of me wants to take Green Bay... And there's all these weird conflicting thoughts in my head that just, you know, these voices in my head. I'm going to go with Chicago plus three. Um, That was one of our disagreements. I don't know if I should go with our disagreements, but I'm going to go with Chicago plus three. Why don't we do this? I'll pick a game. You pick a game. And then we'll go back and we'll go back and forth. I like that. Okay. Well, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Our model's going to our model's due to be wrong. Right, Jeff? So we have to go against it now. The regression to the mean. (laughs) I don't okay. think you know what I don't think that means what you think it means. Anyways. Go ahead. For you it means regression to being an asshole, huh? Is that a regression to being mean? <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. I know. Okay, so you're on you're on the Bears. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reluctantly also on the Bears. I'm gonna take the Cardinals plus three and a half. Interesting. That's also the- one that I didn't like. So we are we are basically forcing each other into bets that we don't like. Um, maybe I'll go with one that we will like. We will both like. So we're not rooting against each other. Um, I am going to go with. Gosh, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with Green Bay. Good pick. Good pick. I'll go with the Giants. Plus five and a half. I knew that was coming. All right, now our mutually agreed upon game. Oh, this, is, this is the fun one. Yeah, we could go, I don't we have could a... go. We could go Eagles just because we. But that'll give us a, that'll give you a reason to watch Monday Night Football. But that's not I my don't... favorite. Yeah, I don't. There's like no value there. You said there no, was like a there isn't. quarter point of value. I mean, I think if if I have to if I had to pick anything here, that I see the most value. Probably on Patriots or the Raiders, but we can't do the Raiders because that's a Thursday night game. Yeah. Or uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's due for a good game, right? They they do the alternating thing, the good and the bad. Yeah, our model actually likes the other side there, so we disagree there. I would say the Patriots. All right, New England. You down with that? Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I think realistically that's the only place that we agree, but it's just hard. It's hard to see this historically bad defense give you know giving points right now to a, a really good offense. So we we could do Broncos. Yeah. yeah, let's do Broncos. We both like Broncos. Let's do that. Yeah, like it's marginal because you're going across that zero, but yeah, let's do Denver. So we're doing we're doing Chicago, Arizona, Green Bay, the Giants, and Denver. I feel good about that. I'm down. Sounds good. Sounds, sounds like 0-5 to me. 
Um, okay. And then Survivor. Um, it's a tough week. Well, they've all been tough weeks. Um, I'm actually still in my... I know you guys really care. Just like fantasy football, you really care about my Survivor picks. Um, I um, This week, uh, I'm still in. And the top sort of five picks right now are Seattle, New Orleans, uh, Philly, Pitt, and Minnesota. Um, given everything we've talked about here, I may go in a slightly different direction this week. God, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, what would your pick be? I don't even remember what teams I have left. I think yeah. I took Redskins last week. I mean, you don't have anyone left because you already, you've already lost. I, know, I lost in week one, but but I've won every other week. So, so, so I'm gonna, it doesn't I'm gonna, matter because I'm already dead. I may go. I may try to win the pool this week. I'm going to take Miami against the Jets. They are no future value, and you know they've got revenge and uh whatnot but i I think i'm gonna go with miami they also have jay cutler yeah well yeah yeah uh sometimes a dog what is it even a blind squirrel finds an acorn sometimes that's maybe that's him have you ever Uh, seen a blind squirrel find an acorn though (laughs) i think that's something people just make up because they want to you know you know who's never seen you never you know who's never seen a blind squirrel find an acorn a blind person no the blind squirrel (laughs) (laughs) there you go um, let's see. I'm going to go with. You probably want to go with. Oh no, you don't want to go. You maybe Philly I, is your if pick. I use, if I use Jack, I was thinking that if I use Jack, I haven't definitely haven't used Jacksonville. I might go with Jacksonville also. That's, yeah. that's definitely a thought. So I think Jacksonville or Miami are the two best. They're very unpopular. They don't have any future value. Um, they're a bit risky, and obviously, if you only have a few people left in your in your in your um, pool, that may not be the best route, but. If you My, trust, I have to trust Blake Portals. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That, in a nutshell, is your problem. Nuts. So, not such good choices. All right, thanks again for joining us for Bet the Process podcast. Um, we will be back next week, where hopefully we will be talking about a continued run in the Super Contest picks, and Rufus's college picks will have done a little bit better for you guys. That would be nice. Say bye from Prague. Bye.